I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, this league never fails to amaze me. After nearly a whole year since this season started, promotion, relegation and the playoffs were all being decided in the very last moments of the very last games of the season. All the highs, all the lows from the past 12 months, they were all capped off with a roller coaster final 90 minutes. As per usual in this league, we call the championship. We expected the unexpected. And then we still didn't expect some of the things that happened. That's why we love this league. And last night proved to me why the championship is the best league in the world. Hello, welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Premier League to my championship. It's Justin Peach. That was that was impassioned. I am inspired, motivated and, you know, even more in love with the championship after that little... Eulogy, but you know. (laughs) Justin, how incredible is this league? I, last night was as excited as I've ever been watching football. Um, You know, barring the the euphoria of your team scoring in the last minute or an important goal, that was just an unbelievable feeling to witness firsthand. Um, And that's, that's why, that's exactly why we 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 do this podcast because the championship is it needs a voice and last night is is the, the purest of reasons as to why it needs a voice i was physically out of breath by the end of it it was yeah just constant knackering and i i was all over the place checking the scores and each time a goal went in i was looking at the table trying to figure mm-hmm. out what it meant and it seemed like every single goal meant something it was just yeah. non-stop action all over the place i loved it it was amazing but before we get into that action justin just a couple of bits of admin so this episode is going to be divided into two parts we're going to discuss last night first of all and then we're going to look ahead to the playoffs because yeah we've still got them to sort out the other thing is we usually do our episodes on sunday but that's not going to be the case this weekend the reason being that the first legs of the playoffs are on Sunday and Monday. So it seems a bit pointless releasing an episode on Sunday talking about the playoffs when it will instantly become out of date. So our usual weekly roundup will be happening on Tuesday this week. So they'll on that episode, we'll talk about the first legs of the playoffs and also any news that's cracked off over the past week. Right, let's get into this, Justin, and we'll start off with the promotion race. In the end... None of the three teams actually fighting for automatic promotion won last night, which means West (laughs) Brom are the side who will be joining Leeds in the Premier League next season. They drew 2-2 with QPR. Marvellous scenes in this game right at the end when Brentford conceded a last-minute winner because West Brom found out about that and the commentators had no idea what was going on. At the time, West Brom had a corner and were throwing men forward and then when they found out about the goal, they were suddenly urging all their defenders back. (laughs) But Justin... I think it's fair to say West Brom stumbled over the line a bit in the end, but overall they deserve to go up, don't they? Oh, without doubt, yeah. Um, they they've been they've been pretty pretty brilliant all season. They've not dropped out of the top two. Um, well, I can't remember the last time they were out of the top two. I think Billich went unbeaten for a large portion of the you know first round of games. He was he was he was pretty. Reserved last night because I think they could have done better. He felt they could have done better. Um, you know, they should have been a, a lot closer to Leeds. Mm, you know, on the balance of squads, perhaps uh, ahead of Leeds, but that wasn't to be the case. But they got over the line, and that is the main point. 
Yeah, they've been looking like they would get promoted for the majority of the season, haven't they? And it would have been a shock and a shame if it didn't happen. Whether they would have gone through in the playoffs, I think maybe they probably would. But overall, they do deserve to get promoted. And I think that's down to their excellent recruitment, really, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. Semi Ajayi for £2 million, Romain Sawyers for £3 million, Matthias Pereira for £8 million, which in hindsight looks an absolute steal. All of them key players for the Albion all season. And of all, really, even though they're in the millions, they've all ended up being bargains, really, haven't they? Oh, definitely. You know, you sign a centre-half for £2 million and, you know, what do you expect? The money that gets bounced around, especially for big players, um, Semi Ajayi was a massive, massive purchase. And he, you know... He was uh, he was an ever present in the West Brom side this season. Hagazi and Bartley were sort of interchanged as and when were fit and available um, and and in form. Whereas Ajayi was 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 there all season. Sawyer's has to be up there with sign of the season for me because he he brought something completely different to this West Brom side that it needed. Um, you know he's brought control, tempo, everything a midfield dictator. Um, Brings he he brought it to to the midfield um, alongside Livermore and I think that partnership was perfect and obviously Pereira what what can we say about Pereira that hasn't already been said that we haven't been saying all season eight million pounds for a player of his ability is robbery yeah daylight robbery the question is now Justin how do you think they'll do in the Premier League <laughs> under Bilic I think they'll be fine um, I've got a lot of faith in his ability to get the best out of players you look at Bartley for example. You know, he's he has had a pretty mixed career, and then he's settled down at at West Brom. Not the best defensively last season, but Billich has got the best out of him. Darnell Furlong got the best out of him. You know, he, he's a, he's a good coach <clears throat> and one that's ex- experienced at Premier League level. And as long as they they can add to the squad, because I still think they need they need a, a finisher. They create plenty of chances. Um, they just need that goal scorer who can do a bit more than. They've, they've had this season and I think they'll be fine. Yeah, there's no denying Slavon Bilic is a good Premier League manager. Um, my concern would be that they're losing a few of their lone players, so the likes of Dean Garner, Kravinovic, Robinson. I'm looking at their side and thinking they've got a decent spine already, but it's the fullback areas, wingers and strikers that need sorting out, uh, which is quite a lot. So I'm not 100, 100% convinced at the moment, but I think... If they do sort out those positions, then they've got a good chance of surprising a lot of people in the Premier League next season. But congratulations to West Brom. They picked Brentford, who shockingly lost 2-1 to Barnsley. Just in a couple of weeks ago, Brentford looked an unstoppable force who would be overtaking West Brom if they slipped up at all. But West Brom did slip up and Brentford did as well. Now, all I keep seeing on social media <clears throat> is that Brentford have bottled it. Have yeah. they bottled it? To 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 bottle it, you have to be in that position, don't you? To to have bottled it, they have to they you know you have to be second and then throw it away. But they've closed the gap between. Well, they did close the gap to Leeds at one point, and obviously West Brom to 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 take it to the final day with that points gap. Not only once but twice. You know they were in this position in you know West Brom were ahead uh, around Christmas time quite a big you know, gap, gap in the points and again this time around when football returned and they've, they've they've narrowed that gap brought it to the last game of the season I don't think they've bottled it they'll be disappointed massively disappointed I don't think it was the game of last night that you know threw it away for them I think it was the game at the weekend that they lost that made it difficult for them because um, Barnsley are a good side and they showed that last night um, but I don't think Brentford have bottled it no way no uh, Ollie Watkins missed a massive chance <laughs> when it was 1-1 and if he scored that, we'd be talking completely differently, Justin. It could have been a completely different story. Brentford would have been promoted, Barnsley relegated. It's tiny moments like that, especially yeah. when you consider when you look at the table and how many sides have only missed out on something by a point or have stayed up by a point, what have you. It's when you look back at moments like that and you think, wow. That's how close the championship is. Uh, We'll talk more in depth about Brentford a bit later on when we look ahead to the playoffs. But 
I think there's a, a bit of an argument to say they have made a bit of a balls up, really. Uh, the other team who were still involved in the automatic promotion race were Fulham, and the door nearly opened for them to snatch it. <laughs> they were relying on West Brom losing and Brentford failing to win, but they could only draw one all with Wigan. Uh, we'll talk a bit more about them later on, won't we, Justin? Uh, now, the playoff race. We'd assumed this was all sewn up, Justin. Cardiff and Forest. They looked like they were set on finishing top six and for them not to finish there you were relying on one of those sides losing Swansea winning and a goal swing of around five goals it seemed unlikely it seemed very unlikely it seemed like this was one part of the championship that we wouldn't be focusing on in this episode (laughs) but it only went and bloody happened didn't it because after eight months of being in the playoffs Forrest fell out of the top six in the final minutes of the season after they lost 4-1 to Stoke and Swansea won 4-1 against Reading. Justin, it's, it blows my mind that this has actually happened. It shouldn't have. It, 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 I, I was back in Forrest in the playoffs. I, I've, you know, I've said defensive teams fare better in the playoffs you know, as history has showed us. Um, and you know, Forest definitely fall into that category. But being defensive has ultimately been their downfall. Um, you know, Lamucci has played for draws in the last two games, and oh, Christ, he's cocked it up massively. Mm. Um, you were saying just a minute ago that for Brentford to have bottled it, they'd have had to have been sixth, uh, six, sorry, second, and then fallen mm-hmm. out. Where it, Forest seemed to be nailed on for the top six, and now they've fallen out. So are you saying Forest have bottled it? Yeah, that's that's my definition of bottling it. Being in the position and then yeah. you throw it away. You know, it's I hate, I hate to say it because I have actually enjoyed Forest this season. They've been a, a, a different side to the ones that have been in uh, the top six all season. They've they've gone about their way, uh, gone about their business differently. Um, but as I said, that ultimately has been their downfall. That's cost them. Um, they've. Over the last nine games since football returned, they've conceded five goals for ninety plus minutes. That's <laughs> a ri- that's a ridiculous statistic, um, and that's not Lamucci. That's that's players switching off. That's players thinking the game's done. It's I can't I can't lay the blame all at Lamucci's feet. I you know I've got to point my finger at the at the players as well. Yeah, well, for anyone that's wondering where it's all gone wrong for Forrest, it bizarrely seemed to start when they beat Leeds back in February. And <laughs> after that result, they were one point off the automatics and it seemed like they were looking up rather than what's behind them. But mm-hmm. since then, they've won just three games, Justin. Luckily for them, all the teams outside the playoffs were struggling as well. So it yeah. seemed unlikely that they were going to fall out, but they have. So are you pointing the finger not just at the players not just at Lamushi, but kind of all parties involved really all parties yeah I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there you know addressing the squad would be the first port of call before you even consider laying any blame at Lamushi's door it's, it's a horrendously imbalanced squad as well there's some good talent coming through at Forest but you look at the defenders for example Jenkinson Bong Benalouine Dawson Hefley have played as many games as Worrell combined. <laughs> you know, Worrell's played 48 games, but that's what, one, two, three, five, six players that have not yeah. surpassed Worrell's between Big wages as well, I imagine. Exactly. Um, so there's, there's been a, a really, was something that we spoke about at the start of the season, the, 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 the bad recruitment, the amount of players they had on the books. Mm. Um, but Lemouche's kept the players that he's used pretty small. And that's and that's fine, but money can be stretched elsewhere for better quality. And that's what's let that's what has let Forest down this season. You know, you need another player like Lolly. Unfortunately, I, I like Amiobi, but he's not another Joe Lolly. He's yeah. a a bit of a in between. Um, and as I say, that the the stretching of the finances has meant you know big skill gaps. I think it's mm, a fair point. Uh, there are now calls for Sabi Lamushi to be sacked. What do you think? No, I, I don't. As I said, I think before you even start thinking about laying any blame at Lamucci's door and considering sacking him, you've got to address the squad. Conceding five goals, ninety minutes and beyond over nine games isn't Lamucci's fault. The players are switched off. 
the Derby game, for example, Warrell doesn't need to make that challenge on Whitaker um, to concede the foul in the last minute. And Samba, you know, sort of fluffs up the the catch and Derby score. That that's that it's things like that that have let the club down. Mm. Not not Lamucci. Unfortunately, he's he has been too negative over the last couple of games. That's probably his experience in this league and not quite understanding the unpredictability it can bring. Um, but then again, you know, Forrest has been a fairly defensive size all season. So has he stuck to his guns or is he? Yeah, don't don't sack the Mucci. They've got to build something here. Well, my first instinct is that it would be harsh because even though they didn't finish in the top six, it's been a season of progress under Lamushi. But on the other hand, it's clear that something hasn't been right at the club in the past few months. And my worry would be whether that's going to continue into next season. But Because uh, if they carry on their form from the last few weeks into the new campaign, then it could end up being a season where they go backwards. Uh, the concern for the next couple of months will be whether they hold on to their key players, such as Matty Cash, Lolly, Worrell, um, but whether they stay remains to be seen. Well, let's give credit where it's due, Justin, because it is an amazing achievement from Swansea, who were exceptional last night and by and large have been pretty good since lockdown in general haven't they and it's great work from Steve Cooper's boys isn't it <clears throat> no absolutely I, you know who, who saw it coming I, I, yeah five goal swing Swansea I, I gave him a, a very very slim chance um, I, I, almost no chance at all um, and you know fair enough I, I was wrong um, I, I, was, I said it at the weekend Steve Cooper's done a magnificent job at Swansea you know they lost McBurney, they lost Daniel James, um, Leroy Fur left on a free transfer as an experienced player. Sam Surridge went back in January, who scored quite a few important goals uh, in the first half of the campaign. For them to sort of pick themselves back up again um, and finish where they have done is is a huge achievement at, at the club. Yeah, definitely. They took all the players that were probably on wages that were way too big for Swansea in their current position, got rid of them. And replaced them with youngsters, really, haven't they? And many of them are on loan, the likes of Brewster, Gallagher, Wilmot. They're, they're players who aren't necessarily going to be at the club next season. But the faith that he's put in the youngsters is really admirable, isn't it, in a way? And it's really paid off for Steve mm-hmm. Cooper in the end. It's worth pointing out as well, Swansea was seven points behind Forrest when the football restarted. Mm-hmm. It's a massive turnaround in what? what was it eight games yeah nine games nine nine games nine games brilliant stuff from them but of course we'll talk about them during the playoff preview a bit later if that's all right no i'm just going to one more point on steve cooper what he's done to the board is he said you know he's basically gone look what i can do when you don't give me any money to spend or when you don't back me look what i can do with this squad you know the, the potential is there yeah. I'm just saying the potential is there. Even if they don't go up this season, the potential is there for the Steve Cooper and this Swansea team. Yeah, and he showed what he can do at a senior level, hasn't he? Because obviously mm-hmm. we all Absolutely. know what he's done with England uh, under-17s, was it? At a youth mm-hmm. level. And now he's made the step up and he's done a really impressive job in the season as a whole, hasn't he? Uh, the final bit of the playoff puzzle is Cardiff, who comfortably comfortably beats Hull 3-0. Uh, the Championship may always be full of surprises, but I don't think that result was ever really in doubt. Speaking of Hull, they have finished bottom of the table and I don't think there's really much else for us to say about Hull, Justin, is there? It's a sorry state of affairs. It just blows my mind that they were eighth on Christmas Day and they've ended <laughs> up finishing bottom. Their end of season form reads six points from a possible 60, which has got to be one of the worst runs of form we've ever seen in the championship. And I'm not sure we'll be seeing Hull back in the second tier anytime soon either, I'm afraid. No. Unfortunately, just above Hull are Wigan after their points deduction. Another incredibly sad state of affairs. They've gone down despite just one loss in their last 15, Justin. All the, all the hard work and effort from the players, coaching staff to turn things around at the club, all undone because of these owners who shouldn't have been allowed to take control of the club in the first place. Well, you, you've made the point there. You know They should not have been near a football club um, if they can't afford to you know, upkeep the cost. They bought the club in lockdown, for goodness sake. Mm. A month when, before they got put into administration. Scandalous. Yeah, they they bought the club in lockdown. So maybe you think, well, have we got the money to you know oversee this club throughout lockdown? No, don't buy it. Then 
It's as simple as that. And um, there was a touch of, uh, you know, a fair bit of sadness when, uh, did you see the Wigan statement that they released? Yeah. Um, just commending the players. And I was like, oh, I, I cannot imagine just fans as well, what they're feeling. It is, it is awful. And uh, the squad's going to get decimated now. It's going to get decimated. Um, they they shouldn't be going down. The EFL have let them down <sighs> tremendously. I, there's just so much despair in my voice at the minute. I, I know I, it's I, it's yeah. terribly sad. It really is, and uh, I just you can't point fingers at anyone else other than the board and the EFL really for mm-hmm. what has happened here because the whole situation, especially from the EFL perspective, is just a disgrace. Because not only should these guys have not been allowed to be in charge of Wigan, but we could end up in a situation in the near future where Wigan's appeal against their points deduction is successful. Then what? Do Wigan stay up? So Barnsley will think they've managed to avoid relegation, only to be told, actually, no, you haven't. And Wigan would then be in the championship next season and they could end up with no players because it looks like the administrators are selling all of them off. So... Mm. It's just an absolute farce. And this could have all been avoided if the EFL's fit and proper test actually worked. It's just a shambles. Yeah, I don't normally sign government petitions, but one I saw one yesterday about sort of a government review into fit and proper persons and actually proper, prop, you know, a proper efficient way of looking into owners um, at, you know, well, at football league level, but it shouldn't need um, a petition, Justin. It should be there already. Well, no, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, and this is all years in the making, um, years of sleepwalking. Um, the AFL's done since I don't know when FFP was sort of released, and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so annoyed and, and angry um, that this has happened. Um, yeah, imagine how Wigan the, the, fans feel. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, scandalous. Th- some of their fans have done some great work, by the way, in digging very deep into um, the owners and the EFL. So, fair enough to them. You know, have that's, a look for that's, it if that's, you can. Yeah. Well, as I say, well, as Kaji, you said as well, the Wigan squad looks as if it's being torn apart. So, how long it is before we see Wigan at this level again, Justin? remains to be seen but uh, the final team to be relegated is Charlton after they were spanked 4-0 by Leeds and it brings to an end a tough season for the club even though they have been relegated I feel it has been a good season for Lee Bowie's <laughs> men because that squad has lost player after player and overall Bowie's done a good job and he's very unfortunate to have been relegated in the end isn't he? No definitely I, I know, you know what um, I think it was yesterday I had a look through sort of relegation points, you know, over the last sort of few seasons, right up until I think 2014. And I think for six out of, or five out of the six seasons, or sorry, four out of the six seasons, including this one, Charlton would have stayed up. Um, I think Hall would have stayed up with their points tally, you know. Mm. It's been an unprecedented season in, in many senses, the fact that all the player, all the relegation sides have actually been very good, um, apart from Hall. But, mm. It's you know, been very competitive, hasn't it, in the Exactly. Half. Um, so you you can imagine their disappointment. Yeah, you, you've got to say that they've had a, a fairly good season. The fact that they've stuck to it, right? Well, that, it's their f- second time in the relegation zone, isn't it? They've all season. Yeah, they were in the relegation zone for the first time just at, before lockdown. Just before lockdown, and then they managed to climb out again after a couple of good results. And now they've <laughs> they've gone back in it right at the end. It's so unfortunate, it, yeah. so unfortunate. But I, I think. Lee has got to be commended. Whether he gets another job now remains to be seen. But you've got to say, if any of the bottom three look likely to bounce back, Charlton's the one, isn't it? The, I mean, the ownership um, situation there is unsettled. There's still no clarity on what's going on there. You know, Lee Bowyer, you know, it might, they've got, I think they've got a transfer embargo as well um, because of it. Where? How can they build for next season? Why would Lebo you want to stay there with that, that much uncertainty as well? And same with some of the players. Um, it's a weird situation uh, there at the moment. And if it gets resolved, then yeah, I could see them bouncing back. Mm. But if it doesn't, then again, another team that might might be down there for a bit. It's a weird situation at all three clubs who have been relegated, really, isn't it? All very unique. Yeah, very unique. All have owners who have a few question marks around them I think is the mm-hmm. fairest way to say it uh, let's get on to the teams who stayed up Justin because I can't believe I'm saying this but Barnsley 
are safe. Their last-minute winner against Brentford means they'll be playing championship football next season pending Wigan's points deduction. But this is one of the most amazing stats from yesterday, Justin. The result means that this is the first time Barnsley have been outside of the bottom three since August. Yeah, Unbelievable. The number of times we counted Barnsley is down this season. The number of times they fought back to give themselves a chance and they've gone and done it in the final minute. How much praise can you give Barnsley? Um, not enough. Struber, the man, the man has clawed them out of the, the relegation. They won one game in nineteen, I think, before Struber came in. Um, the the man is well a genius. The, the numbers Barnsley were posting over the last few weeks um, were ridiculous. You know, their attacking numbers, the um, distance covered. I said it yesterday, maybe out of jubilation, but you know, if Struber happens to be at Barnsley for a couple of seasons, especially with their, again, fairly unique recruitment strategy, they could turn into playoff contenders. Um, and that's, as I say, that's down to the, uh, that's down to Struber and the ability the, uh, of the players they have. They're a good side, Barnsley, and that's why I'm not surprised they beat Brentford yesterday. Yeah, well, they've really looked in recent times like they've really galvanised together. We saw it in the Leeds game, didn't they, where they were quite unfortunate to lose 1-0. It was a superb performance from them. And Mm -hmm. one thing that has looked to be the case with uh, Barnsley under Gerhard Struber is that they've got slowly better and better as the season's progressed. It's taken a long time for them to get better and better, but eventually it's paid off. And... You've got to say, Struber, keeping this side in the championship for next season has got to be the managerial achievement of the season. The only other contender, really, is Nathan Jones at Luton because Struber has pulled off a miracle. Him and his players have pulled off a miracle. And nothing I say here will be enough praise for what they've managed. Obviously, they've been a bit lucky because of Wigan's points deduction. Otherwise, they'd still be down. But, Mm -hmm. you know, these things happened. And I suppose the question now, Justin, is assuming they are in the championship next season, how will they do? Yeah, I mean, if they can keep hold of the likes of Moat, Woodrow, you know, the key players home, um, I think they could easily hit mid-table next season. They, yeah, the, I agree. A, a, a tiny bit of quality. They just need a tiny bit of quality going forward and, and maybe at the back. Um, they, they create a lot of chances. They don't, not, they're not as as efficient as put, uh, putting them away and it's just those tiny tweaks that will make them a very very steady side at championship level yeah well Woodrow Brown Chaplin three quality players I'm massive fans of them Mauer has been pulling the strings in midfield he's probably unfortunately the only one really who has been pulling the strings in midfield so they could maybe do with mm-hmm. strengthening there and then defensively they looked an utter shambles earlier <laughs> in the season but they have got better as the season's gone on so um, if if the end of this season's anything to go by then Barnsley could definitely be a mid-table side next season the final team involved in the relegation battle were Luton who in the end stayed up quite comfortably Justin but yeah, don't let, worry. yeah don't let that take away from what is a ridiculous achievement I gave them less of a chance of staying up than Barnsley because I thought they were dead and buried because I didn't think their squad was good enough. But these players have shown such heart and togetherness. It's remarkable, isn't it? That That is personified in Nathan Jones's celebrations. Yeah. The man is, is passion. and He does not like passion. <laughs> no, he doesn't. And that's why it's so disappointing that it didn't work out at Stoke for him because there's clearly potential there. Um, you know, he's got this Luton side playing who... They conceded 82, 82 goals this season. Um, there was a lot wrong with this Luton team when he when he came in. Mm. So him replacing Graham Jones was a masterstroke. And I honestly, I thought it'd take a bit longer for them to get going. I didn't think it would be as successful as it was. And you know, again, how how wrong was I? They've stayed up. They've stayed up losing twenty three games this season, which is too short of Hull, who have finished bottom. <laughs> it's a huge achievement for Luton Town and. Um, I think when the new owners came in, um, well, 10 years ago, roughly, yeah. um, they had this vision of Charlton, uh, Charlton Luton playing in the Championship by 2021 uh, and having a new stadium or new stadium plans in place. Uh, and they've achieved both of those targets. Yeah, and that doesn't happen very often. Uh, I was no. exactly the same as you. I, I thought Nathan Jones wouldn't have enough time to turn things around at Luton, but 
here we are. He's managed to do it and he's gone back, shown that he is a quality coach and it seems like now they can start building again and really... Obviously, it's easy to say this in hindsight, but he should have stayed at Luton in the first place, shouldn't he? And really taken them to the next level after taking them there in the first place. Um, how will they do next season? <laughs> Put me on the spot again. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's interesting because there's still, I think, a, a gap in in quality there. Yeah. Um, you know, Birmingham have been terrible. They finished up at Birmingham, for example. Um, Borough have been terrible, but. You just don't know how the, these things will play out. If Luton bring in the right players, then again they they could. I think they could escape relegation again. Um, but it's 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 very hard to tell with this Luton side as to what direction they're going now under under Nathan Jones. Yeah, they're a side that isn't going to be spending big, are they next season? Exactly. And they very much rely on quite often um, buying players with the money that they've made from selling players. So for them to really uh, bring in quality, it's going to be a big ask, but they've managed to pull off a miracle here. They could very well do it again next season, couldn't they? Uh, Right, that's the end of part one. In part two, we'll have a quick run through the rest of the sides in the championship and then look ahead to the playoffs. If you could see us recording, you would notice that Justin and I generally wear a different football shirt almost every week. There's nothing that fuels nostalgia more than an old football shirt. And guess where you can get them? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk Absolutely. I spent plenty of money there and got myself some cracking purchases. Just recently, I started sporting an AZ Outmar training shirt and a Hoffenheim training jumper. So pretty different. Exactly that. And it's not just football shirts. You can get training wear, footballs, boots and match-worn stuff from former pros. There genuinely is something for everyone, no matter which side you support. So find what you're looking for at classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in-store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Coming up, we're going to look ahead to the playoffs, which kicks off on Sunday. But first, Justin, obviously half the sides in the Championship didn't really have anything to play for yesterday. And so to make sure those supporters of those sides don't feel left out, I thought we'd do a quick speed round, Justin, where we go through all those clubs and sum up their seasons in just a couple of sentences. How does that sound? Perfect. Love it. Right, we'll start off at the very top and work our way down. So are you ready? Go on then. Millwall. Oh no, I'm not ready now. <laughs> <laughs> Millwall um, obviously beat Huddersfield four-one. Good result for them, but you know I think it's a steady season under Gary Rower, and certainly you know an exciting future for them. Yeah, look to be going places under Gary Rower. Brilliant season. Probably the biggest surprise there was really because we had him down to be yeah. in the bottom half, didn't we? Uh, Preston. Um, I think they'd be disappointed to finish ninth in the end. Um, they're, they're, they're badly missing a striker, which we've, we've relayed. Um, they had a striker and keep hold of some of the players and maybe move some of the ones that might have gone a bit stale. You know, I'm talking like Maguire, players like that. Um, then I think they can, again, they can compete for a top six place. Yeah, sideways season for Alex Neal. Haven't really got any better, haven't really got any worse. They're desperately missing a goal scorer and that's something that needs to be addressed ahead of next season. Derby. Um, possibly one of the biggest overachievements considering the season that they've had. FFP charges, drink driving scandals, captain being sacked. Ugh, horrible season. But Koku's, you know, got them out the got them out the, the ashes. Is that a, a saying? Out of rut. Yeah, a bit, a bit of both. Um, and you know, got them to tenth, which is again a massive achievement. Yeah, disastrous season off the pitch. On the pitch, it's been a transition season, really. Loads of exciting, promising youngsters coming through now, which will be a few players to look at for next season. Blackburn. Um, I think it's a massive season for improvement for Blackburn. They've got a really good squad and a squad that I'm looking forward to seeing develop over the next few months, especially, you know, some tran- uh, well, the transfer window coming up, see where they add. They'll need a new goalkeeper. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go under Mowbray, but it's, it's definitely a team that I'm invested in. Good season under Tony Mowbray. In the end, might be disappointed that they didn't have more of a go at the playoffs, but they could be one to watch for next season, Justin. Bristol City. Uh, so probably you lose side of the coin to Derby. Um, a, a terrible 
season I think for them considering the amount that they invest in, they have invested um, to finish 12th after being in the well flirting with the top 6 um, it is bad but you know if rumours are true and Hewton's agreed to take the job then I'm excited to see where this Bristol City side can go yeah, very underwhelming campaign. Should have finally got in the playoffs, but needed a new man in charge to get them over the line. Could be quite dangerous next season if they get the right person, mm-hmm. though. QPR? I think it's a good season for QPR, considering we had them down for relegation. Um, they didn't spend any money. They brought players in on free transfers. Mark Warburton somehow got this team playing some of the best football you'd see, all helped, obviously, by Eberichi Easy. Um, but Naki Wells, Jordan Hugel, hats off to them too. A good season for QPR. Yeah, I'd say it's actually quite a good season. They look like they were lacking quality at the start, but a very easy. Um, dragged them to a respectable mid-table finish. And they could be in trouble if they lose him and a couple of others, though, next season. So mm-hmm. want to keep an eye on there. Reading. Um, <laughs> it's really hard to pinpoint Reading, isn't it? Mm. Um, I think it's a steady season. It's a step forward compared to other seasons. They're normally, well, especially since the Apstam left, they've been fighting relegation. Um, they've had to sack the managers with six, seven games to go to, to to improve, but they've not done that. Mark Bowen definitely improved Reading to our, well, surprise. Um, keep hold of the players. And again, another side that could possibly hit top half next season. Yeah, inconsistent, inconsistent, in consistent you never know which Reading side is going to turn up unfortunately the good Reading side only turned up for about a third of their games this season which is why they are right in mid-table but probably a bit better than we were expecting Stoke a big sigh for Stoke Um, spent I don't know two-thirds of the season in a relegation zone they shouldn't have been anywhere near it players let the club down for the first half of the season Michael O'Neill came in improved them Again, another side that I'm very intrigued to watch uh, under Michael O'Neill to see where he can take them. I'm, I'm, I'm excited by the um, by the football for the future for them. Yeah, under Nathan Jones, they looked lost, demotivated, but Michael O'Neill has turned them around and suddenly the future looks very rosy for Stoke and I think they could be a playoff challenger for next season. Wednesday. They'll be massively disappointed not to finish at least mid-table considering they were third at Christmas. Uh, Gary Monk uh, well, and Lee Bulland sort of looked like they were getting the best out of the side but that quickly turned into the worst and that's pretty much summed up their second half of the season um, disappointment disappointment massive disappointment the only thing you can say is wow first half brilliant second half a shambles only Hull collected fewer points than Wednesday in 2020 and they could be in a bit of trouble next season depending on who stays and who goes Middlesbrough Middlesbrough I think that's a that's a case of you know wipes sweat off brow um, mm. They 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 got away with it, didn't they? They've they they couldn't score goals defensively. They were terrible. Woodgate a season too soon in terms of his appointment. Warnock could see where that goes. That'd be interesting. Um, they, they I think it'll be another season for transition for them coming up. Yeah, saved by Neil Warnock. If they hadn't sat Jonathan Woodgate, then I'm convinced Borough probably would have gone down. God knows what's going to happen next season. Huddersfield. Um. I'll be honest with you, I predicted them to finish 7th this season. I was wrong. I think 18th is um, is a success for them because, you know, I think, what, two wins in uh, 12 months is awful. It's awful and that has dam- that damages players' morale uh, and, 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 and club morale. Um, bizarre sacking of Cowley and I think that might <laughs> that might go tits up for them, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm slightly concerned for them. Yeah, a lo- I call them a low-key shambles because well, <laughs> the, the bottom three, bottom three, bottom four, I'm including Birmingham in that, um, I'd say are looking a bit like a big shambles, but Huddersfield are a bit more low-key. They were saved by Danny Cowley, still don't know why they sacked him. The club needs a big sort-out, otherwise they might be in a bit of a relegation battle next season again. And finally, Justin, Birmingham. Um <laughs> terrible uh, absolutely terrible um, as we discussed before the podcast um, their biggest highlight this season is selling Bellingham to Dortmund <laughs> um, I, I don't know how it went so badly wrong perhaps it was appointing a caretaker head coach at the start of the season although hats off to Clitet because I thought he did an okay job under the circumstances but this club needs change yeah I, I'd say Clitet actually did a half decent job 
considering the circumstances. But the fact they've technically finished 21st, Justin, just above the relegation zone, if you take out Wigan from the equation, is incredible. The season showed signs of promise and has ended in, quite frankly, a shambles. And um, as you mentioned, the highlight of the season is pretty much selling a 17-year-old to Dortmund. (laughs) And uh, they've now retired a shirt number, which (laughs) says a lot. If anyone's not seen it, Birmingham City have retired the number 22 in honour of Jude Bellingham, which is incredible. He's played 44 games for them, Justin. How many he games? four goals in that time. How many games does it take Maldini to have his shirt retired at AC Milan? Oh, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's one of the most bizarre stories ever. Uh, one of my mates texted me saying uh, Damien Johnson made 170 more appearances in, in the number 22 shirt. Why is it <laughs> retired for him? <laughs> Unbelievable. Right, it's time to look ahead to the playoffs, Justin, which is basically... Wales against West London. It's exciting, <laughs> but here we are. This we'll start off with the game on Sunday, Justin, which is Swansea versus Brentford. Two sides who like to play attractive football. And a couple of weeks ago, I would have said this would have been fairly clear cut. But now, I'm not so sure. What do you think? Uh, well, I'm I'm on the same boat. Brentford did a double over Swansea as well this season. They put six past them all together, 3-0, 3-1. So automatically you say Brentford should cruise to the final, but mm. you know, there there might be an air of disappointment um that that seeps in. Obviously two, losing two games on the bounce again is is disappointing. And Brentford got Brentford have got quite a sketchy pass with playoffs. Um you know, and you, and as I said, you mix into that the disappointment of just missing out. Compare it to Swansea, the jubilation of and good, relatively good form over the last few weeks. Um, it makes for a very tight game, I think, tighter than you'd think. Yeah, well, as I say, I, I thought this would be said and done, really. But the fact we're in this situation now, it's incredibly hard to call. And I think there'll definitely be an air of disappointment around Brentford, especially considering they lost to Stoke and Barnsley, two teams who have been in a relegation battle for a lot of the season. The thing is, in those two games, I'm not sure if you have the same opinion, but it looks like there were nerves there with Brentford. And whether that carries on into the playoffs is going to be massive. What do you think would be one of the key battles in terms of players against each other here? Um, I think Pinnock and, and, and Pontus Janssen keeping Rian Brewster quiet because yeah. Boy's been on form. Um, I know you rate him incredibly highly um, and I'm, I am on the same boat. I do rate him. Um, his goal last night, for example, was from outside the area. Um, so he's clearly a danger in all areas of the pitch. And then the obvious battles are, you know, Swansea, the Swansea defence have got to keep keep Benrahma quiet uh, and Embuemo quiet. You know, Ollie Watkins is had chances and he's fluffed them um, but this Swansea side does give you chances but then again if you don't pay respect enough respect, uh, respect to Swansea they'll put four past you like they did last night they're a dangerous side um, yeah. the Swansea team the thing is as well Van der Horn's back now for Swansea which is massive and if there's one thing that we've seen recently with Brentford is that they've struggled when sides are defensively solid against them and sometimes they get to the point where they just don't know what to do and they run out of ideas. Um, So if they manage to stay defensively uh, rigid, then I think Swansea have got a great chance because they will be the outsiders here. Mm -hmm. And one thing that really irritates me, Justin, and this might go off on a bit of a tangent, Mm -hmm. but one thing that really irritates me when people uh, predict the playoffs, the number of times over the years where I've seen people who probably don't know as much about the championship as us, they've made a prediction of what the playoff final is going to be and who's going to win it. And they've instantly gone for the two teams who are third and fourth. In this case, Brentford and Fulham will be the favourites to get to the final, won't they? But I don't think it's that clear cut. We'll get onto the Fulham-Cardiff game in a sec, but with everything that we've just mentioned, with Swansea there going into this on you know, full of energy and really delighted with the way they've managed to get into the playoffs on the last day. And Brentford, on the other hand, it slipped through their fingers, automatic promotion, and it? And I yeah. think that's crucial when it comes to the playoffs. The The biggest example I can think of is Blackpool when they went up. They mm. 
uh, well, ironically, they they pipped Swansea um, to a playoff place on the final day of the season. They beat Forest, who again were incredibly good under Billy Davis. Very defensive, very very good side. Um, and then they they beat Cardiff, who I think finished third that season. Um, and I think Forest finished third, but they beat they beat third and fifth. Uh, and, yeah, and, you know, it, it's that's why the playoffs are so hard to predict because you get teams who come in with with good form and like Swansea, they they ride the crest of a wave as every single EFL commentator says during a game, um, and it's it's going to be tricky for Brentford. They've got to get over the disappointment of of the automatics because it was in their hands it was in hands West Brom drew it, all Brentford needed to do was not concede um, a sloppy a sloppy goal um, which they did yeah it's it's absolutely true and it might be it might be a cliche but when a side is riding the crest of a wave heading into the playoffs it does it, it, it is an advantage and you, you could easily say Cardiff also riding that crest of a wave it's incredibly hard to call, and this is the playoffs. It's an absolute lottery, isn't it? But if I had to try and push you for a prediction, what are you saying? I've I've backed Cardiff for weeks. Oh no, no, no! Um, I'm talking about the Swansea Brentford game. We'll get on oh, to that game in a oh, sec. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Come on now, Jesus! Jumping ahead, jumping ahead. <laughs> I'm just excited. That's all right. Last <laughs> night was unreal. Um, I might have to edge towards Brentford. Um, I just think there's a lot of quality, and as I said, Swansea do give you chances. Um, and I think Brentford, Thomas Frank looked pissed off, um, and I, I think he's a he's a manager that gets his emotion out in his coaching. Um, so I think this Brentford side can po- probably step up a gear. Yeah, the thing is, as you've kind of alluded to there, Brentford play better when sides are open against them, and Swansea play better when they are open and you know getting men forward. So. I do think if I had to put money on it, I would go Brentford. But I think Swansea have got a much better chance than probably a lot of pundits are going to give them. Oh no, over without the doubt. next few days, it's uh, not. It's not going to be a rollover. No, definitely not. Then on Monday, it's Fulham v Cardiff, and this one is very interesting, Justin. Very, very interesting because these are two sides who are the complete opposite when it comes to style of play. Scott mm-hmm. Parker's side like to keep the ball, hold on to possession. Neil Harris's boys aren't afraid to hit it long. How? What are your initial thoughts when you look at this tie? Um, my mouth's watering at the thought. That, that'd be the first <laughs> one. Um, I'm really, really intrigued by this game. Cardiff, um, I think Fulham played Cardiff a couple of weeks ago at Craven Cottage and Cardiff weren't at their best. Um, but they were in sort of a not a bad run of form, but they lost a couple of games on the bounce. So I think that was to be expected. But now they're back in, back in good form. Um, I just think this Cardiff side is going to relish being annoying, being a nuisance to, to Fulham, to the, the, the sexy brand of football they're trying to play. I think they'll relish um, being the side that disrupts that. Um, and as I've said, Morrison is a shoo-in for defender of the season I think he's been fantastic um, especially in, since since football returned and that, that battle with Mitrovic will be a good one you keep Mitrovic quiet you keep you keep Fulham quiet um, although they have had other goal scorers over the last few weeks but that's generally the case with them when he plays yeah the thing is with Fulham they seem to struggle quite a lot when a side is more than happy to just soak up um, the pressure and let Fulham keep the ball Um and that's something I think Neil Harris will be very happy to do when it comes to this tie. And it's it's so hard to call this one. It really is. Even though mm-hmm. Fulham have got all the big names <clears throat> and they have finished ahead of Cardiff in the table, Cardiff are, again, the other side riding that crest of a wave. And I can't call this one. I honestly can't, Justin. Um, I, you kind of, I think I know what your answer is going to be because you've just said it but is that the key battle in this game do you think Morrison and Nelson against Mitrovic uh, yeah absolutely it was a it was a couple of seasons ago Curtis Davis against Mitrovic in the first leg at Derby won kept Mitrovic quiet was right up his ass at every opportunity made it really awkward for him I think this is what you got to do really really get under his skin um, because he is a player as we've seen on a couple of occasions this season that has the ability to do something a bit naughty um and yeah, I think Cardiff 
on one of those sides. Morrison's got a lot of experience in doing that in, as I've said, being a nuisance. Um, so, you know, the the old case of pinching under the arms is, is, a, is one way of going about it. <laughs> I think there's only one word that will sum up how Cardiff will win this match. Shithouse. Simple as that. If they shithouse this game, then Fulham will be vulnerable because we've seen that plenty of times this season when sides do shithouse Fulham they struggle but I think I haven't got it in front of me but I think Fulham have beaten Cardiff twice this season haven't they so that, uh, they've that drawn, will be an advantage yeah they drew 1-1 one, 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 so close games yeah that is an advantage but Cardiff have looked better and better as the season's gone on hasn't it? and in recent weeks have really looked very good so if I had to push you for a prediction here Justin which way are you going? I, I, I'm swaying towards Cardiff, as, as I alluded to, uh, a bit of a spoiler a couple of minutes ago. I, I do fancy Cardiff um, in this in the in the playoffs. I think Neil Harris has got a lot about him tactically. I think that's a good. There's a good squad. There's a good, really good squad at Cardiff that no one's really given credit credit to. Um, I've seen fans after defeat saying, "Oh, this team's average." They're not average. They're a good side. They're a very good side. Um, a good side that shouldn't have been relegated last season uh, from the Premier League. Um, if it wasn't for some dodgy refereeing and a lack of VAR, they just stayed up. Simple as that. Um, so, yeah, good side, this Cardiff team, and uh, I'm backing them all the way. I'm slightly edging towards Cardiff in this tie, um, <laughs> just because of the reasons that we've explained. And I, I, I've got this theory that quite often, or more often than not anyway, the teams who are the most organised in the playoffs, seem to do very well. It's just a theory I've kind of developed over the years. And I've, I've literally said that today. All right, sorry. God, this theory, <laughs> this theory. I'd said it today, right? All right, sorry, mate. Uh, but that does seem to be the case. And yeah. Cardiff, you'd probably say, are the most organised side out of the out of the four. So I'm not saying I fancy Cardiff to win the whole thing, but... I think they could do the job over Fulham and we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Ladies and gentlemen, the playoffs are here. It's my favourite time of the year. How are they going to top what happened on Wednesday night? I have no idea. They, they need to I do mean, a Watford, don't they? They do. We need but another Watford. I would not rule it out because the playoffs, anything can happen. That's why we love them. And I can't bloody wait. The first game is on Sunday. That's Swansea versus Brentford. And then on Monday, it's Fulham v Cardiff in what is guaranteed to be a very tight game. Us, on the the other hand, we'll be back on Tuesday, as mentioned at the start of the show. There's not going to be a Sunday episode this week because there's not really any points. But on Tuesday, we'll review the first legs of the playoffs. We'll have all the news from the past week, and there is a lot of news that needs to <laughs> that needs to be sorted out. And we'll also have the Craig Bryson pub quiz, as per usual. So we'll see you again on Tuesday. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks. I'm Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.